Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies. Another pretty good week for the Blackhawks, I have to say. Um, there were four games, so uh, let's jump right into a recap. Uh, the first game was it was Wednesday night in Vegas against the Golden Knights. And this was a game that started out looking not good for the Blackhawks. Um, the Knights scored two goals immediately to take up 2 nothing lead in the first period. But uh, Patrick Kane came back after the second goal and scored pretty quickly after to make it 2-1. to one. Then uh, in the second period, Vegas scored another goal to go up 3-1, or so we thought. Apparently, a shot hit the post, but it, everyone reacted like it was a goal. I mean, it took a couple seconds, but the goal horn went off. Everyone, you know, celebrated, but on replays, it was very clear that the shot had hit the post and knock on in the net, and wouldn't you know it, less than a minute later, the Blackhawks scored to tie the game. An unlikely goal scorer, Calvin DeHaan. His first goal in, I think, a year, they were saying? If I remember what they were saying right. Uh, and that goal was followed less than a minute later by a goal from uh, Gustafson to give the Blackhawks a lead. So it went from, you know, possibly being down 3-1 to one in this game to Gustafson scoring to make it 3-2 to two Blackhawks. Another young player who's really starting to come into his own, Kirby Dock, scored in the third period to make the game 4-2. to two. It was a rebound goal that he fought into the net, and the Blackhawks were able to add one more goal, I believe an empty net goal, to make it 5-2, to two, and that was the final. So a very good win against the, well, I don't want to say a great Vegas team, but a team in the playoff hunt. So, yeah, team the Hawks are in direct competition for, or direct competition with for a wild card spot right now. So, yeah, big win. Yes, and then the Blackhawks got a couple days off before a Saturday game in Nashville. And, you know, this one, everyone... The last game went very badly for the Blackhawks, and the first, I don't know, five, ten minutes were not looking much different. The Predators were all over the Blackhawks. But then, well, let's just say things turned rather quickly in this game, much like the uh, game in Vegas before. Eric Gustafson scored again, his second straight game with a goal. And this is about, I don't know, six, seven minutes into the game. And the Blackhawks had done nothing. They were getting absolutely dominated. But Gustafson fired a shot from the point that went in. And then, you know, the play started evening out, evening out a little bit. And then in late in the period, that guy again, Kirby Dock, made a great play in the corner, stole the puck, flung it in front of the net where Dominique Kubelik was waiting and... He did not miss and scored to make it 2 nothing. Then in the second period, uh, Pecorine, I don't let in probably, other than that goal in the playoffs like 10 years ago where he went out of the net and Seabrook scored from center ice. It was Seabrook again too. Um, this is about the softest goal I've ever seen Pecorine give up. But Seabrook just flipped a backhand from the blue line that somehow got through Rene and 
the Blackhawks took a 3-0 lead. Uh, later in the period, the Blackhawks started playing much better. They were playing well in this part. I mean, the start of the game, they weren't playing that good, but by this point, they were really kicking it into gear. And David Comp scored on a very nice passing play and launched a rocket of a shot. I did, I'll ask you, Michael, did you know David Comp could shoot that hard? I didn't. Um, he certainly wasn't able to do it last year. Um, but I did read something, I want to say in The Athletic, either yesterday or today, uh, talking about Kampf, and one of the things that they asked him to work on in the offseason was improving his shot, and it it seems like he's done it. Um, it he's still not a great finisher, um, but he's he's getting more shots through, and he's being you know he's a little more potent offensively this year um you know he's still kind of a you know on the offensive side he's probably on the lower end for for a third line center but he does help drive the possession and everything and he he's pretty good at taking a tough matchup and at least getting the puck into the offensive zone so that's that's you know that's that's what he's valued for right now yeah well in this situation he shot the hardest shot i've ever seen him take from right in the middle of the slot and scored to make it uh four nothing blackhawks and yeah this is in the third period a little bit of fear to start the period uh roman yossi scored a goal to make it four to one and you're like little second like please don't make this interesting blackhawks well they definitely did not make it interesting uh Patrick Kane, Alex Nylander, and Alex Nylander again. So they scored three goals in a row, two from Nylander, who I think this was his best game that I've seen him play on the Blackhawks by far. But he's actually been uh, starting to really play better of late. Uh, been moved up to the top line, at least for most of these games, and you kind of like what you're seeing from him lately. Yeah, there's definitely been some some ebbs and flows. Uh, when he first moved up to that top line with Taves, he I, I wouldn't say he was playing poorly, but it, he wasn't playing as, as as aggressively, and he was turning some pucks over um, that he hadn't been when he was succeeding on uh, you know with uh, Carpenter and them on the on the lower lines, but. It's the sort of thing where I think maybe the injury to Jake Kajula actually saved him a little bit. Because Colleton's been pretty quick to pull the trigger on moving Kajula up to play with Taves whenever that line doesn't work. But I think Nylander uh, got a little bit of rope because Kajula wasn't available. And so he um, Colleton ended up sticking with Nylander there. And, uh, you know, he seemed to kind of work through it. And I'd say... Over the last three games, he's he's played much better, and he, he seems to be getting the hang of it, um, you know. But you know, still a rookie. You know, we do still see the occasional um, lapse in effort. Um, the the one pleasant surprise I think with Nylander for me has been he always seems to be playing smart. He's he he sees the play pretty well. He's he's breaking up some plays defensively. It, it's just kind of a matter of making sure he keeps his feet moving on the defensive side, and then 
honestly kind of the same thing in the offensive zone. Sometimes he tries to slow the game down a little bit too much and kind of ends up waiting too long to make a play. So it's just kind of speeding that speeding that clock up a little bit. There's stuff that you know, you don't have quite as much time in the at the NHL level as you do at the lower levels and I you know, I think that uh that transition that um you know, just getting into the mentality that you always got to be ready to 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 be, keep moving, um, and to take full advantage of his skills. So, you know, when when he's on and he's he's doing those things, you're, you're seeing the top six talent that he has. So it's just it's just a matter of consistency. And uh, right now, where he's he's playing well. Yep, and that so uh, the Nashville would add one more goal, but it was a seven-two win, and like. You know, other than the start of this game, but this was the exact opposite of their last game in Nashville. So that was very nice to see. Now, you know, Michael, you were just talking about uh, young rookies developing. And the Blackhawks came back on Sunday night to play the Buffalo Sabres. And, well, I don't know what else to say. It. Um, I'm getting pretty excited about Kirby Doc. As you, you should be. Yes. Uh, so to start the, on the first period... Pretty much an even period. I don't think much was going on. But late in the period, uh, Kirby Doc, a great rush up the ice, got a nice pass and drove to the net to score his fourth goal as an NHL player. I believe the pass was from Kubelik. I think that's what it But it was a very nice give-and-go pass, and he broke up the middle of the score, so that was very nice to see. And then the second period... Guess what? Kirby Doc again. His second goal of the game to give the Blackhawks a 2-0 lead. We go to the third period now, and Patrick Kane, who I guess I should note too, is continuing to play very well, uh, scored on the power play. Also nice to see a power play goal for the Blackhawks. And then his partner in crime, uh, Jonathan Tabes, who of course has not scored many goals this year, was able to score the fourth Blackhawks goal. And um, let's just say a not good turnover by Calvin DeHaan led to the only goal for the Sabres. Um, Jack Eichel scored it, but it was not what you're looking for. It was, I guess, a drop pass or something across. Yeah, to it was de- just especially a play you can't make when you're ahead. Yeah, but other than that one uh, negative it was another very good game for the Blackhawks, and they won 4-1, and that was their fourth straight victory, so things were going very well. Now, they had a couple day a day off before their game Tuesday against the Hurricanes, and let's just say that one did not start out very good. Because, again, earlier in the year, the Hurricanes had beaten, I want to say... I don't know if it was their, the most sound defeat the Blackhawks have gotten this year, but the Hurricanes were all over them earlier this year in Carolina in a 4 nothing victory. And honestly, it looked like the exact same game the first two periods. The Hurricane speed was just much too much for the Blackhawks. They were, you know, they could barely get shots off. Every time they would get in the offensive zone, they would, before they could even take a shot, it seemed like a... Hurricane Stick was already tipping away uh, the puck. So 
it was not very good. The Hurricanes were getting breakaway after breakaway. Robin Leonard did a pretty good job stopping some of the glorious Hurricanes chances, but he could not stop them all. And by the third period, the Hurricanes had a 3 nothing lead, and it really looked like nothing was going to happen for the Blackhawks in this game. And then, amazingly, with about, I don't know, 10 minutes left in the game, the Blackhawks sprung right back to life and scored two quick goals, both from defensemen. The, a very unlikely goal scorer and Connor Murphy scored the second goal to bring it within 3-2. I believe Gustafson scored the first goal. Things got interesting. The Blackhawks had, I don't know what you say, Michael, three or four really good chances to tie the game in the last five minutes, but were unable to do so. Certainly a better effort in the third period. Um, you know, some of it was probably due to the, the Hurricanes backing off a little bit to protect the lead, but the Blackhawks did seem to wake up a little bit. Um, like you said, the, the, the Hurricanes are a much quicker team than the Blackhawks. And if the Blackhawks aren't staying in proper position and giving it a full effort, you know, the Hurricanes are going to be able to take it to them. And that's what we saw in the first two periods. Blackhawks were a little loose with their positioning and they weren't giving full effort on loose pucks and, you know, the 50-50 battles. And it it really showed. Um, Leonard kept them in the game. Uh, and from what I understand, there was a little bit of... Uh, um, intermission uh, pep talk from mm -hmm. some of the veteran players that kind of maybe got uh, the, everyone's heads on straight and they came out and, and played a much better closing to the game. But, you know, the, those first two periods were just enough to bury them. And, um, you know, but it, it was also the, you know, yeah, I was, I was about four yeah. days. And, you yeah, know, I was about so to say, that, not to make excuses, but yes, yeah, say it was their third game in four days, and they've been playing a much right. busier schedule. But that being said, you do have to like that they put such an effort in at the end when they could have yeah, easily yeah. given up on the game, and they didn't. Yeah, if we hadn't had you know, some of the early games in the season where the effort was lacking, I would give them more of the benefit of the doubt of being tired in the third out of, you know, third game in four days. But... The, it, you know, it certainly harkened back to some of the earlier performances where, you know, the Blackhawks would only show up for one period in a game. And, you know, that's just something that they they can't afford to let happen. Um, they're as, as talented as they are offensively. They struggle with speed. And if that, you know, the opposing team is faster than them, they have to match speed with effort. And you just, you, you can't have games where you don't show up like that and expect, you know, to, to, to win them. So, you know, disappointing in that regard, but coming off of, you know, the four game winning streak and, you know, getting points in five out of six games previously, you know, the Hurricanes are a good team. You're not going to beat a team like that very often, but, you know, so you just kind of try and focus on the positives, I guess, from it. We've had enough enough good uh good news from the team of late that uh you know i don't want to focus too much on the on the negatives yeah, well i guess i should add the hurricanes would score an empty net goal and it was a 4-2 defeat in the end but 
Um, you know, you were talking about a little bit. It was six out of eight possible points, including two regulation wins against the Western Conference teams is, I mean, much better than we could have hoped for. I mean, it was very good to see. Yeah. Yeah. Big week for the Hawks. They are knocking on the door of a wild card spot right now. You know, after two weeks ago, you know, they looked like they were nearly buried. Um, you know, the their season was on life support very early on in the calendar year. But um, And it know, was also they, good to see um, that they woke up a little bit earlier this year than they didn't wait till January like last year. So, Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, you know, they're back to playing a system similar to last year. And, you know, like you said, from January on, they played at a 100-point pace. And, you know, if they can kind of play something similar to that the rest of the way, uh, you know, there's enough time where that would put them into to playoff positions. Mm-hmm. So you just, you got to hope that they can maintain this. Um, you know, the... The Nashville game was a little fluky. Um, that was a game that could have gone another way, but, you know, Rene was having a terrible game, and you know, the, the Hawks got a couple of early breaks, and it just seemed like, you know, they were able to capitalize on some things, and, you know, it, 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 the amount of chances normally wouldn't translate into as lopsided of a score as it was, but... You know, you're going to have some games like that where things go your way. So, you know, it was a nice revenge game. And overall, I think the team is playing pretty well. You still have a few um, concerns with the amount of possession that they give up. But, you know, as long as they keep the, you know, the high danger chances down... You, you, you like the, the, the Hawks' ability to, you know, pull some points out. Because if they can, if it, as long as they kind of get even with high scoring or uh, high danger scoring chances for and against, you know, guys like Patrick Kane and uh, Debrinkit, Strom, Taves, you know, the, the Blackhawks have skill that can finish better than a lot of other teams so if you know as long as it's close and the good opportunities the Blackhawks always have a chance regardless of whether or not they get outshot because I, I I think by this point we you know we just have to concede the fact that the Hawks are going to get outshot in if not every game basically you know close to every game I, I honestly don't think the Hawks have outshot an opponent this year and we're a quarter of the way into the season so that's just the way they are. Yeah, but. I was going to say, too, it's just, I guess we can have, like, a good offense and a good goal, good goaltender situation. I mean, you could you could get by with, let's just say it, shaky defense. But right. it, it, it makes for exciting games, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was what we harped on all last year was, uh, you know, the, the Hawks may not be good, but they're rarely boring and we're back to playing that style of hockey and you know i'm here for it we don't got a lot of other fun things going on with chicago sports right now so um, i'm 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 fully behind uh exciting blackhawks games at this point that's right um yeah there's a bears game that was 
not very fun to watch. And even when your team wins a game like that, it's still not very fun to watch. I will say that right. from... Yeah, just not to yeah. rub it into all you Bears fans, but it wasn't much fun being a Rams fan watching that game either because not like they look good either, so... No, no. Um, those are two teams that don't have much going for them right now. The only thing I can say is, yeah, you guys may have won that game, but you guys have paid Jared Goff a lot of money. We're, we have nothing tied up in Mitch Trubisky at this point. So yes. That's what I'm going to hang my hat on. We're not yeah. we're not pot committed. You guys are. Yes, I'm a little worried about that. <laughs> I don't want another Seabrook uh, situation on my hands, but we'll find yeah. out. All right, well, I'm going to ask you about a couple um, lineup tweaks that we saw, and like mainly in the last game, especially with um, Kirby Doc. But I'll ask you first about it's kind of were you surprised? I mean, we were talking about Connor Murphy coming back, and you thought he'd maybe you know team up with Keith, and they've gone with you know Keith and Gustafson and Oli Mata and Murphy. What do you think of that setup? Were you okay with that? Um, or? The, the- I am. Uh, the current setup is uh, how I expected them to open the season, to be honest with you. Um, I was a little surprised by the Mata-Seabrook pairing um, that they started the year with, and that obviously turned into a disaster, and I fully expected them to kind of go to what the current setup is. Uh, but by that point, Gustafson was struggling, and um, you know Murphy got the opportunity to play with Keith and, and played well. And had Murphy not gotten hurt, I don't think that they would have changed anything up. But, you know, we saw in the, the few games prior to Murphy's return, Gustafson got paired back up with Keith, and it was working. Gustafson was playing much more aggressively, much with uh, much more confidence, and it was translating into points. And so I'm not surprised that they didn't, go right back to the Keith Murphy pairing. I do think we'll probably see that by the end of the year. But right now, I think it's more important to keep Gustafson playing well, not just because he's their only offensive defenseman and they need him to be producing, but it also helps his trade value. (laughs) Um, You know, Gustafson is not a long-term piece for this team. And I... I, I still think it's a 95% probability that Gustafson is dealt during the season. And so, you know, giving him an opportunity to play with Keith and kind of settle in and, you know, hopefully have a good start to the season will uh, hopefully pay greater dividends when they do go to deal him. So I, 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 I think you'll see both. I think you'll see Keith and and Murphy get time together, and I think Gustafson will play with Mata at times. Um, the, th- the thing that I'm very happy with is the way that Dahan and Seabrook have been playing together. Um, you know, I think we talked about it a little bit last week. This is the only pairing that we've seen Seabrook work with um, right now, and it's uh, to Brent Seabrook's credit, he's been playing much better since they scratched him. Since he's gotten back into the lineup, we're seeing fewer mistakes. His positioning is a little bit better. He's not getting beat to the outside quite as often. Um, He's not committing as many turnovers 
on zone exits. He's, you know, and, that, and part of that might be, you know, some of the tweaks to the system that allowed for better zone exits for the entire team. But, um, you know, it, it, he's still not good, um, but he's he's playing acceptable right now. I, I If he keeps up this level of play, I have no problem with Seabrook, you know, being the you know the fifth or sixth defenseman on the team, so you know it's a, well, it, it's just. Imp- hmm? Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, I almost like to think of the analogy like, um, our old Blackhawk legend. He didn't play for a very long time for the Blackhawks, but Brent Sopel, who, mm-hmm. if he wasn't the slowest defenseman they've ever seen, he's in the top five of slowest defensemen they've ever seen. But he was very good at knowing the angles, the angles yes. to play to make the, his lack of speed not a factor. And I've always thought if Seabrook can learn how to be Brent Sopel, it'll be very good for the Blackhawks, but I don't know if that will happen. Yeah, uh, you know, honestly, I over the last five or six games or whatever it's been since he's been back in the lineup, I I, I don't think that's actually a bad comparison. I, I, I think that's the sort of game that Seabrook's been playing. Um, so... You know, that's the, that's one of the bigger positives is they seem to have found something that's working with Seabrook right now because that was such an issue earlier in the year, um, and just that stability is is going to be big and it and it, it it frees them up to you know experiment with the other pairings and you know like I said I I think you'll see Keith being able to work with um, Gustafson or Murphy. Or Boquist, if he ever comes back up, and you know, I, I think those those pairings each have something going for them. And right now, you know, it's it's probably the, the you know the best setup that they have. So. Yep. And then the other thing, which just happened in the third period of this uh, last game with the Hurricanes, but was very interesting. Uh, Kirby Doc had been playing on the the bottom line with Smith and. Carpenter and was doing pretty good, but uh, they needed to mix something up late in the game against the Hurricanes because it was not working. And they put Kirby Doc on the line with Kane and Debrinket, and wow, did that line look good in that period. Now, I don't know if it was just a general, you know, whole team putting up more effort, but it looked like they might have found something, or am I reading too much into one period? I mean, I the, the Strom line definitely struggled, and... You know, I, I, earlier in the year we talked. I, I think there is a possibility that the drafting of Kirby Doc and the emergence of Kirby Doc as an NHL player, whether he's actually ready to take on a top six role right now, which I doubt, or if it doesn't happen until next year, I, I really think it it makes the fit for Dylan Strom a little more tenuous. Um, last year, when they made that that Schmaltz deal for Strom, uh, I I was behind it because the Blackhawks were in desperate need of impact at the center position, and you know there there didn't seem to be any chance that the Hawks would end up in a draft position to get a guy like Kirby Doc. So it was, you know, a favorable deal that, you know, that gave the Blackhawks some 
other options. But once they won that that draft lottery and decided to, you know, use the pick on Doc, it, uh, you know, eventually Doc replaces Taves. But in the meantime, you know, you, you, you run into the issue of Taves still needs a lot of time. You know, he needs a lot of ice time. And then you're kind of struggling to figure out how to divvy up the rest between Strom and Doc and whoever is going to be the shutdown guy, you know, whether it's Camp or Carpenter or whoever. Um, and, you know, there's only so much five-on-five five time. So, you know, I still wonder if Strom is better off as a winger or if the emergence of Doc eventually allows them to trade Strom. I, I think everything's on the table. I mean, they can you can never have too much center depth. And so, you know, if you enter next year with Taves and, and Strom and Doc down the middle as your top three, you know, that's great. <laughs> um, but at the same time, if Kirby Doc emerges into the type of player that I think he can be, uh, I want him playing with Patrick Kane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, it, he's, he's not ready for that right now, or at least... You know, not on a regular basis. I, I still think sh- that the the Strom Debrinket Kane line is is the best uh, combination for right now. Um, Kirby Doc is has very much been like Alex Nylander, where he's been up and down a little bit. Um, he's not always moved his feet enough away from the puck. Um, you know, I, he he sees plays fine, but you know, it's just the you know, it's a big step up to the NHL, you know, in the physicality of it and the energy level needed to play three games in four nights against, you know, adults. Um, that's a that's a that's a, a big adjustment for you know a, an eighteen year old to make, and so you, you expect some ebbs and flows. And right now, he's playing with a lot of confidence with the puck. Um, and when he's feeling it like that, I have no issue with him moving up the lineup. And if he's going to move up the lineup, I would like to see him play with Kane. I, I, I don't have an issue with that. So, yeah. you know, I just, I don't, I don't see it as, you know, a regular thing right now. I still think on, on the whole, Strom is the more qualified player right now. But and I, I should add, I, I should add, I kind of sold him short earlier in the, um, the Sabres game, that was not an empty net goal. It was a breakaway for Dylan Strom. I temporarily forgot that, but the very rare Dylan Strom breakaway that he... Yeah. With his great speed, but I don't yeah. mean to... Don't yeah, mean he's, to... he's not usually leading the play. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are going to be games where that Strom line gets buried in the defensive zone. Um, you know, there's none of those three guys are defensive stalwarts and if you know they get stuck out there with defensemen that are struggling to get the puck out too you know it 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 doesn't lead to you know it it leads to momentum for the other team and so there are times where I think you do need to change it up you know put it in the, the, you know, get everybody in the cue blender, um, harkening back to previous years. 
Um, you know, I, 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 I like having consistent lines, you know, at least starting out the, the game with, um, you know, the Strom line. But, you know, like we, you know, we talked with, you know, that top line where, you know, occasionally if, if they need a jump, you know, they, Colleton hasn't hesitated to, to move Kajula up. Or, yeah, the I last game, I, last game it was Shaw that he moved up there in the third period. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think that's, that's probably what you need to kind of look at with that second line. It, well, first, whatever you want to call the Strom line. Um, you know, kind of Patrick Kane's kind of the first line, no matter what line he is technically. But one A and one um, B, so right, right, yeah. So you know, whenever that Kane line is struggling, I have no issue with moving Kirby Doc up, and then you know, at the start of the following game, you know, go back to the go back to playing with Strom, and uh, you know, just kind of play it by ear with that, and that you know, and that allows to kind of ease into things too you know it's he's not always getting fourth line minutes but he's he, you know the opportunities he gets he's going to have to earn and I, and I think that's fine now the one thing I would like to see is a, a, a change up to the power play units mm-hmm. they they really need to get Gustafson back up on the, under the top um, power play unit uh, Keith's just not working out great there um, I I Gustafson is definitely a better fit there, and I would like to see Doc um, get more consistent time on power play two, or maybe even move Doc up onto power play one and just see how it works out. Um, you know, let him play with Kane a little bit on on the first power play unit. I don't I don't think you need Andrew Shaw up there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I think they have options on the power play where they can kind of move some guys around. Um, I I don't think it's necessary to play. Shaw and Saad quite as consistently on the power play as they currently are. And I would like to see Doc getting more opportunities there. Yep. So I guess we will. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Since you brought up uh, the Q blender that we should at least congratulate um, Joel Quenville won his 900th game coaching the Panthers now and only the second coach in NHL history to do that. So good for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I never had anything wrong to say about Q. I mean, you know, sure, I had my frustrations, and I did think it was time to move on, but at no point have I ever considered him a bad coach. Yes. He's a a very good coach. Well, I guess from that, we will kick it to you for a preview of the upcoming week, and only three games this week, so I'll let you uh, take it from here. So, first game up, going to be a challenge. Uh, they, they do get them at home, which, which should help. But facing a tough Tampa Bay Lightning team, uh, they have not gotten off to the same start that they did last year when they were pretty dominant. Uh, I think they're, they're kind of around 500 right, right now. But that's another quick team, a lot of talent. Blackhawks cannot afford to... You know, can't can't afford less than a hundred percent effort. So, yeah. yeah, another repeat of the game against Carolina to start. Can't have that. Right. Yeah, and hopefully that that second intermission pep talk and the the, the better play in the third period kind of carries over. You know, hopefully they don't need another wake up call. You, you just 
you can kind of keep that that momentum that they had in the third period and and and, and keep it going on Thursday night against the Lightning. Uh, then they uh, they finally get a break from the back to backs on the weekend. It's been like four weekends in a row, I think, where they had Saturday and Sunday games. Um, so this is. It, it, you know, like you said, it's it's a it's a, a lighter week. It's only three games, and that's that's because they only got one weekend game. Yeah, but, but it's you know, it's, funny that you're saying that this they don't have a back to back this weekend, but they do have a back to back that starts this weekend. A different right. kind of back to back. Yep, it's a home and home against the Dallas Stars. So a division uh, division game, a, a team that the Hawks are trailing right now um they're basically the team that the hawks are trying to catch and so it's a it's it's a big set of games here and uh you, you, they're gonna travel to dallas saturday night seven o'clock uh for the first game and then finally they get a couple of days off this is going to be you know one of the rare two days off in a row that um the blackhawks have had They've been their schedule's been really congested uh, in November here, but yeah, they, they they finally get a couple of days off, and then they'll be able to take Dallas on at home uh, next Tuesday at seven. So you know, just it, it it's real big because this is it's it's the start of you know the division games and the conference games. We talked a couple of weeks ago about just how weird this opening schedule has been, where they've taken on so many Eastern Conference teams, and their lack of games against you know division opponents, and so now we're finally taking on Dallas a couple of times, and that you know leads into a couple of a home and home against Colorado, and then yeah. St. Louis, and yeah, so this is this is the. The, the, the Blackhawks did a lot of heavy lifting over the last couple of weeks to get themselves back into the playoff hunt, but now this is the time where you solidify it. This is the point where we're going to see how they actually match up against you know the teams in their division that they're going to be competing with for the rest of the year. And they can't afford uh, to, to let off the gas. they gotta mm-hmm. got to take it, take it to them. You know, if, you, if you're going to lose... A game or you know have an overtime game you'd prefer it to be this first one against Tampa Bay but then you know let's let's keep up with these over or I, it, let's keep up with these regulation wins that they've been able to get of late and if you can do that you know at least once against Dallas that would be big you know if you could take one game in regulation and then you know maybe even you know even if you lose a game in overtime or something the next game um, you know, just just getting that one regulation win would be big. Yeah, and th- this is a Dallas team that started the year just awful. I mean, they were complete no show, and then I think they won like eight or nine straight games or something that get right back into it. So, and again, this is a team that kind of similar to the Blackhawks, high flying offense and the defense not as good. So, right. but. Relying a lot on goaltending. They mm-hmm. got a good goaltending tandem with Ben Bishop and Kudobin down there, uh, just like you know the Blackhawks got with Havlith Leonard and Crawford. And it wouldn't surprise me if you know Leonard and Crawford split the games, and we see the same thing with the Dallas duo. 
So, you know, that's going to, you know, how many times does goaltending end up being the, the difference in a game? And, I, you know, against two, you know, a team that plays a similar style, like you said, to the Blackhawks, mm-hmm. you know, it may come down to simply that, who whose goaltender makes the bigger save in the bigger moment. Yes, and this is also a very hard stretch of games for our friend on Twitter, Eileen, who is a Blackhawks slash Stars fan. So we'll shout out to her in this game that will be kind of putting her two teams against each other. And I guess on that note, um, we will wrap up this week's episode. Hopefully another good week next week because we've had two good weeks in a row. And I didn't think we'd get that that much this year. So let's see if they can keep it going, right? Absolutely. All right. And as always, I am STH85 on Twitter. Michael? MJ underscore Ernst. And if you have anything you want to ask us, you can feel free to tweet at us and ask us whatever. And I don't know, maybe we'll talk about the podcast. Uh, anyway, um, you can subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast Store and just look up Emergency Goalies. And in our, tell our next episode, Go Hawks!